Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Born to Talk Radio Show. I'm your host, Marsha Witeka. Conversations plus connections equals community. Those are my three C's. The heart of my show is what's your story? It's my belief we all have stories. Some are similar, others are uniquely different. Storytelling brings the passions of my guests to life through our conversations. So be prepared to be entertained, informed, and inspired. Welcome to today's show. Well, thank you, everybody, for joining me today. I'm really excited. I know that many of you know that I did a big posting about the fact that it was my eight-year anniversary last week. And there's no stopping me, my friends, because I love what I do. And that is a perfect reason why my guest today is Adrienne Faree. She is the founder and the executive director of the Makers Hub. Welcome to the show, Adrienne. Well, thanks, Marcia. Hi, hi. It's really my pleasure to be here with you today. Oh, this is going to be so great. I, I think what you are doing is amazing and I thought before we get into actually talking about what it is that I say is really amazing because it is I thought you could just just tell us a little bit about yourself so we can get to know you a little bit better okay all right well um, let's see Uh, I'm the daughter of uh, Argentine immigrants my parents came from Argentina and they came here during the reign of Peron my dad he was a merchant marine, and when he was traveling, he fell in love with California. So before I was born, my uh, dad moved, he and, and my mom, here to the United States. And um, what he really wanted is for my sister and I to experience other countries, because that's what he got with his travels. And mm-hmm. he wanted us to see other customs and what people ate. So when, when I was about seven, <laughs> my uh, mom got it, uh, my dad asked my mom, well, he didn't ask. He kind of told her to get a job at the airline. <laughs> yeah. And so we, did, we could travel affordably. And, and we did. We, we traveled quite a bit. And, and I remember those travels still. I remember being fascinated with buildings and traditions. And, and I loved how different people interacted with each other in, in different areas. The other mm-hmm. thing um, when I was growing up is that I'd follow my dad around a lot uh, when, when, his, when he would do home projects. And that pretty much was all the time. He was always doing some kind of remodeling in the house. And uh, and I'd help him whenever I could, anything from demoing a wall to reaching reaching inside of a wall because his hands were too big and, you know, and I was able to, yeah, little things like that. Hmm. Uh, So that was like my life with my folks. I have uh, three beautiful grown daughters and I have two son-in-laws. They're all creating very extraordinary lives. I really see them as giants, giants, and and I'm just in awe with who they are and who they've become. Mm. And um, this August, I'm becoming a grandma, and she's going to be my first grandchild. Oh, <laughs> congratulations! That's yeah. cool. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I also I, just a little tiny bit more. I wanted to share with you that I graduated from USC, the School of Architecture, um, mm. back in 1983, and I worked for the sheriff's department for 39 and a half years as a licensed architect. So I was part of their facilities bureau for about 23 years, and I oversaw jail programs for about seven years. And then towards wow. the very end, I created the actual the uh, sustainability team 
for the Sheriff's Department, and I did that my last seven years. Now I'm retired, and I'm building a makerspace in the city of Compton, with the first component being a tool library. Uh, Lastly, I just wanted to share with you that I'm yes. passionate about environmental sustainability, and you might say that my home is one of those, you know, in quotes, mm-hmm. oh, one of those, where mm-hmm. I have solar, and I drive an, I've been driving an EV car for 12 years, and I have uh, a cool roof, water recycling, rainwater capture, my backyard's a mini regenerative farm and compost. I just love this. I love the environmental stuff and seeing how else I can reduce my carbon footprint. So you you don't just talk it, you walk it, and that's pretty that's yeah. pretty impressive. That really <laughs> that really that yeah. yes yes you 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 walk the talk, and I think that that's tremendous. And we're going to learn about what what it is you've been doing. And I'd like to just take a, just a quick moment because everybody spells their name. Trust me, if I was to say to somebody, my last name is Whiteka, go ahead and spell it. They wouldn't be able to do that. <laughs> so I would like to do the same for you. So just so that you all know, Adrian spells her name a little a little interesting. You're going to see this. I love this. Adrian's first name is spelled A D R I A N N E, and there's more duplicate letters in her last name, which is F E R R. And you can find um, their website. It's really very simple. It's the W's, the Makers, and that's with an S, so themakershub.org. This obviously is a .org. And you can see all the things that they're doing there. And when you open up the website, which is what I've done right now, you will see that there is a tool lending library coming in six months and two weeks. It's a countdown. It's so exciting. And we're going to be talking about that as well. But let's just start off by getting to get to know about the Makers Hub. So tell us a little bit about it. You, you started, when did you start your nonprofit? Well, um, I, I, huh. I started the nonprofit. The technical term would be in March of uh, 2021. That's what we, when we received our 5013C. Okay. And I, yeah, and I started it. It was, I started this nonprofit mostly because um, it was born out of this inequality of resources, tools in general, mm-hmm. that I found when I was. It came. It came to me when I was working in the jail. Um, that our our mission, our mission, kind of says it all. We are going to be a community makerspace in an underserved community, uh, Compton, South LA. We bring access to tools, technology, workshops, and we bring mentors to inspire creativity and lifelong learning, and to provide equitable opportunities to everyone. So this allows, this gives, this empowers people to make whatever it is that they want to meet their goals, to express their passions, just to tinker, to invent and play in the world of making, that kind of thing, you know? What do you mean? I love our tag. Yeah, go ahead. No, finish your, you, you love your tag because I, I do want you to say that. Share your tagline. Yes, I love our, I love our tagline because it really kind of says it all. So our tagline is a place where people make it, and we're opening this this first component of the makerspace, the tool library, uh, this year, like you had mentioned. Yeah, because every industry has their own glossary. I should should Mm -hmm. really have a book someday, like I need to add one more thing. 
so cancel that thought process. Um, but I don't I don't know what the term makers space means. So if I don't know what maker space means, maybe you could just define what that means. Oh, you know, that, that's good. I, sometimes I forget what it's like not to know because I didn't know what this term meant until I started, until I found one. <laughs> yes. And a yes, maker, exactly. yeah. A maker space um, are these facilities. A lot of them are small. Uh, a lot of them are in colleges and it, um, they use them a lot for kids' STEM places. But the kind of Makerspace that I'm talking about are the community makerspaces, and that's where the community can can come. And there's a variety of shops, so different different communities have different shops. The the ones that inspired me the most was like Dallas and the one in Baltimore. Um, th- those are the, the some of the the big ones that I I really liked, and they had all kinds of workshops, wood shops and and metal shops. They had uh, computer labs and robotics, and they would have uh, crafting, crafting things and um, all kinds of uh, – one of them even has a place to do small batch manufacturing. So they all have, like, these different things. Yeah, and it's really uh, – there's some basic things that they always have. There's always technology in them. There's always some kind of wood or metal or uh, machine type of equipment in them where people can come and, and use them. Oh, there's a, there's a beautiful one down in Orange County called the Urban Workshop. Um, hmm. He has a he has a uh, he actually has auto body and lifts in wow. his you know because it all depends uh-huh, they're all kind of different yeah you know you've inspired a thought in me I yeah. I don't did, where did you where where would where did where was your childhood where do you where did you grow up I, I grew up mostly in the South Bay in Torrance okay so I know that mm-hmm. I'm older than you but but we our Los Angeles school district. When I was in high school, not only did we have the as elective, so to speak, I have my hands in quotes. We 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 had the home ec class and the cooking classes, yep. but we yep. had shop classes where yep. there was yep. where people that we had wood shop. Yep. We had yep. print. We had a printing shop, and you know yep. it's fun. It's now we're talking. We're talking a long time ago. We're talking about in the. Yep in the mid to late 60s. And yeah. I don't think girls even took those classes. I don't think we were told we couldn't. Right. We just it just right. didn't happen that way. And so yeah. if you maybe you weren't necessarily college bound, but you learned um, my brother ended up being an art teacher, but my brother yeah. he loved the wood shop class. Yeah. Because yeah. he liked working with his hands. And my father yeah was very handy and my grandpa his father was a carpenter yep. so i yep. grew up with handy handymen um and so yep. it's i think it's really fascinating and so that i appreciate you sharing me sharing with us what that maker space means so what inspired so, so you I, let, go ahead so let me add let me add to that so i, I just want to add this those vocational shops i was from that generation too we had to take home ec and the guys would take Woodshop, and maybe a couple years after um, I was, uh, and we moved on, the girls were allowed to take woodshop. I think when I got to high school, the girls could take woodshop by then. Mm-hmm. But <clears throat> there was that kind of. Do you know that that stuff got removed from a lot of the schools? Yeah, there was a, you know, and it wasn't. In, I don't think there was. It was intentional, right? But the focus was academia, academia. Get the kids to college. Get the kids to college. 
But I think some of the school districts, in order to make that happen, had to cut some programs. Mm-hmm. And the programs mm-hmm. that got cut were the vote shops. And this is really, you can really notice this in the um, underserved low-income areas. The vote shops, they disappeared. They're not there. Right. So, and even in, um, like, the South area here, they consolidated them, and the uh, high schools then started sending their kids to Scrock. I don't know if you know where Scrock is yes, in the middle I of current. But they, each high school used to have their own vote programs, but then it all got, it just, it all changed. It all shifted, and the focus was college-bound, everything, you know, so. You're absolutely mm-hmm. right. You're absolutely right. So what inspired you to launch the Makers Hub? Where did that inspiration mm-hmm. come from? Well, it, it started, the story that I tell is, it started when I was working at the jails overseeing vocational programs. I'd walked into, we had a wood shop in there, and um, one day I walked in, and right in front of me was this beautifully crafted Adirondack chair. It, it was beautiful, Marcia. It mm. had curved corners. It, it was, well, it was, I can't even explain. It was like fine furniture. And at the foot of this chair, there was this little silhouette of a little rubber ducky carved out. And it kind of surprised <laughs> me because it wasn't a usual, you know, inmate symbol. They had different things that they would use. So I was talking to the inmate about it, and I found out that the ducky reminded him of his daughter. And I eventually asked him, well, why don't you make this kind of stuff when you really, this is like beautiful, beautiful. And he said, Senora, I don't have ways to get to access to use tools like this. I don't, I don't have tools like this or know where to get them. And that's when it kind of hit me because it wasn't the first time I heard similar things like that. The teachers mm-hmm. and the other inmates from the other uh, vote programs that we had, we had welding and sign shop, stuff like that. Um, but uh, it, it, it made me want to do something. So I spoke to one of the assistant directors of the school, and we went looking to bridge that gap uh, so that we could share this information with the shops. That's all we were going to do, find out where they were, find out, and then give it, the information to the teachers in the shops. But then in that search of that, that's when I discovered makerspaces, right? So, oh, mm-hmm. makerspaces, that's the way to do it. So I thought, oh, good, I'll map out where the makerspaces are and I'll take it back to the, to the uh, teachers. And, you know, like we mentioned, these makerspaces were full of tools and all kinds of stuff. And really when cool. I lo- ma- mapped it all out, yeah, on the locations, I noticed that none of these facilities were located like in South L.A., Compton, in that whole central area of, um, uh, south of, of the whole South L.A. area. Even Gardena, mm-hmm. Hawthorne didn't have them, Southgate, mm-hmm. all these cities, Watts didn't, nothing. There was nothing there. And I thought, wait a minute, that, that's weird. They, they had them up in Chatsworth. They had them in Huntington Beach, Culver City, Burbank. But there wasn't anything in the center. And I thought, huh. And they were primarily, so what I discovered is that it wasn't only inmates that didn't have access to tools like that, but whole regions of underserved folks, mostly people of color, right? These neighborhoods were mostly predominantly uh, black and white communities, uh, black and uh, brown communities. Right. And that kind of bugged me, bugged me a mm-hmm. lot, right? So um, I, I remembered that uh, Martin Luther King once said something like, it's cruel to ask a bootless man to lift himself up from the bootstraps, you know? So people <sighs> needed boots. That's what I saw, right? And before they could pull themselves up, they also need mentors and supporters and people to help them succeed along the way. Because we all know no one succeeds by themselves. There's always somebody that's there to coach them or mentor people. So, uh, so I thought, what if, what if there was a place 
where both of that happened, right? That there was um, opportunities and, and, and we could empower people and, and maybe even potentially revitalize areas where the people lived. Maker spaces and tool libraries, as, as you identified very early, um, kind of aligns with my sustainability passions. That's part of the sharing economy that so brings people together, just like you, Marcia, having mm -hmm. people share their stories to build community. You know, so does learning from each other and sharing resources mm -hmm. and building together, you know, that, that hands-on kind of uh, learning. Isn't it, isn't it just great, honestly, to have a passion? I mean, oh, it, yes. because I can feel it. I can feel it in your voice as you're speaking. Oh. And I, I really can. And I think this tool library so you mentioned mm -hmm. that you're starting with this Compton mm -hmm. tool library it's coming mm -hmm. I, I I can see it I'm mm -hmm. looking at the countdown yeah. so tell us a little yeah. bit more about the tool library itself yeah so surprisingly even when I bring up tool library a lot of people say ask what a tool like what's that they think it's maybe it's a a library full of books around tools or something like that. And I said, no, mm -hmm. no, no. It's a tool library is a place where you can go and borrow tools, just like when you can go to a book library, you can borrow books. It's the same thing. So we have shelves and shelves and, you know, containers full of tools that people can come and borrow. And there are, uh, I don't know, if you, so there are about 200 tool libraries across the nation, and there aren't oh. any in Los Angeles. No, I know. So we will be the first one like this. The LA uh, County Library did is piloting a small tool program, but it's very limited. Their tools um, are uh, they don't consider any tools with, that are a liability risk, like saws or ladders. They don't have workshops. They don't, you know, they don't uh, help people figure out what tools to get. They have a few shelves. You come in and you you know you grab a blender or a whatever they have. So mm -hmm. th that's what they have, and, and it's great. Well, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. We're, our, but ours is just um, much broader than that. That's, and, um, that's, oh, man. Mm -hmm. yeah, you take, do you so accept donations? Yeah. Oh, heck yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, <laughs> good. Um, we'll yeah. make sure I that people know that. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. I, I, I just, oh, man. It's yeah. just so cool, and, Adrian, because you don't have to necessarily donate your tools to a non, uh, you know, the Salvation Army or Goodwill or something right. like that. Not that there's anything wrong with those two, because no. I donate to both right. of them regularly. But specifically, if you have tools, this is just so great. I didn't mean to interrupt you. I'm just so excited no, no, about no, what no, you're no, doing. No, Finish yeah. your thought. I'm Thank sorry. You. No, no, it's, it's good. Now, I was just going to share that when people borrow tools. Now this whole, this whole other paradigm that if you never had access to borrow tools, that's the one thing, right? They'd never even thought about doing DIY projects because they never could afford the tools to do it, right? So even, right. even that. So now they have that opportunity to do like DIY projects or they can build a business that maybe needed tools, a handyman thing, a plumber. I ran into a plumber and he says, do you by chance have those um, electric uh, drain pipe things? And I go, well, I don't, but I'll get one, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> but he didn't have one, so that would augment his business so he could grow his business until he could afford to buy one on his own, you know. And, um, and, the, and we also intend to help learn trade skills, because just like you mentioned, they took that stuff out of the schools, so we are going to be introducing youth back to, um, to what, what, what it is to use tools, yeah. It's, and and 
across gender. So if a girl yes. wants to oh, swing yeah. a hammer or, or, or bring out a saw, it's like, come on in. Oh, yeah. So that, oh, yeah. that's so yeah. cool. Um, yeah. What what do you envision the makerspace to be like? I mean, walk mm-hmm. kind of walk us through that. You know, Marcia, I, I I I walk through this building in my mind's eye every day, probably a couple of times a day, and I see it, and I can walk through it, and you know, and I have a perspective from like an architect's point of view, so I just walk through this space all the time and make a little change here. That's <laughs> funny. So and, and I think you have to do that, right? When you you mm-hmm. have to have when you have a vision like this, you have to really see it out there for it to come. And whether it's through pay, prayer or manifesting or whatever, but things start to show up. It's it's very remarkable. Um, so this is what the makerspace is going to like. So I'll walk you through it. The, first of all, it's going to be located in Compton, California, and it's going to be about 30,000 square, square feet with a variety of high-tech and low-tech shops and studios. Like, we had, like I mentioned before, it's very common to have wood and metal shops, but we're going to have multimedia production studios. It was something that the, uh, that the community wants. They're very interested in music and performance and things like that. Um, hmm. There'll be an Etsy shop to do all kinds of crafts. There'll be robotics and electronics that will be independent, plus a way to um, merge that with the other low-tech shops, you know, uh, to automate things, to make them different. <laughs> They'll also be, they also wanted, uh, the community also wanted a, a culinary shop because wow. there's multiple stations in the, in the commercial kitchen. Yeah, so small businesses like that are little cottage industries can come and use this space and grow their food businesses. Um, we will also have large and small rooms for collaboration and brainstorming or workshops and classes. And, uh, and I, my fingers are crossed, but I see this thing. It, there's a cafe there. And the cafe will feature the new culinary startup meals that people will have. I'm, I'm not sure exactly how we're going to do it yet, but there's some kind of cafe mm-hmm. there that the culinary uh, makerspace will have in order to sell food. And it can also provide, you know, meals for the makers that are working there. We're also building a network of mentors. So we have a whole bunch of these mentors, so not just the shops, but mentors and teachers that will teach classes. And they'll be local mentors, so they'll be – people that are from the community that know something, right? So uh, mm-hmm. um, uh, we intend to have spaces to help launch businesses. And, um, um, and, and this, in turn, can revitalize the community with new businesses created by the locals for the locals. Uh, we intend to have workshops to create businesses through the lens of the circular economy back to that sustainability thing that I always go to, Mm -hmm. where the byproducts of one company becomes the material supply for another. So I really see Compton can become the hub for social impact and circular economy businesses. But i got to tell you, it all depends on the members, their talents and their visions, what they have, you know. Mm -hmm. So I might say it's going to come out this way, but it's it's really going to be who shows up, who gets inspired to make what it is that they see, you know, and that's that's the real uh, magic of all this. And you know, it, it makes sense for those of you that are listening how how Adrian came up with the name, the Maker's Hub, because <laughs> yeah. I mean that's brilliant because it it now you've drawn a picture in my mind um, of what what you're seeing and and how people can can get involved that. You know, maybe maybe you've got a retired school teacher or you've got mm-hmm. somebody that works at Home Depot 
and 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 but, but has some time on their hands as well, mm-hmm. and would love to come and just help. And I just I, I just think it's phenomenal. And I'm just curious. I'm not everybody goes out and starts a nonprofit. <laughs> it's not easy, I know. So how did you get from the initial idea, which was ruminating up there, to actually starting your nonprofit? Mm. I, you know, um, it starts, it, it really just starts with conversations that people might think you're crazy at first, but just start have conversations. And each conversation I have leads to somebody, to, to having a conversation with someone else, or they said, hey, mm-hmm. you should check out this and investigate. So the makers have really took off when one day I happened to be tabling uh, an event for an environmental group, and I was kind of bored sitting at the table, and there wasn't a lot going on. So I decided to attend one of the workshops. You know, and um, but one of the one of the speak the speakers in this workshop it intrigued me because she had opened a facility in Compton that hosted uh, sustainable community services, and so that perked up my ears. I spoke to her afterwards. It wasn't even more than three minutes, Marcia. It was very fast, and she was excited. She goes, "Oh, this sounds really interesting. Let's meet." So we did. We met, and she helped me host the first community meeting to see what would the community think of a makerspace, right? So she right. helped get that uh, started. And then from that meeting, the people in that meeting gave their opinions, and I went to their meetings, and from their meetings I met other people, and it was like that. It was just kind of one meeting led to another meeting, mm-hmm. and meeting somebody else, and another idea. I mean, the whole idea behind revitalizing the city came, came from these meetings. I, you know, I was just thinking of a place where people – can come to, you know, do DIY projects and stuff. I didn't think about adding the whole component of businesses in there and having businesses use the space to, for a startup and then create and, and expand, you know? So, I, you know, <clears throat> yeah. It's pretty cool and, and I'm I'm my mind is racing because it's like, okay, well what mm-hmm. what what well, how could I help? So, I'm just curious. Yeah. Are are you a member of the Chamber of Commerce? Um, with Compton or the Compton Chamber? Well, the I Compton guess Chamber of Commerce. And, go ahead. No, that's exactly what I'm saying. I, I think yeah. that you need to be in front of business owners. Yeah. That are. Yeah. I mean, I'm a member of my local Chamber of Commerce, and um, mm-hmm. and I just think I could see where you would be an outstanding guest speaker at a Chamber of Commerce. You're talking to business owners. I, I thought about yeah. that. And the other the mm-hmm. other organization that I'm very passionate about is Rotary, mm-hmm. and I could certainly oh. see you. Yeah. If you haven't spoke to Rotary clubs yet, that's another that's another um, indication of where you might want to take yourself as well. To I think you need to be in front, like you just said, these conversations. That that's listen. That is the story yep. of my life, sweetheart. I mean, mm-hmm. that's how it yep. works. You know, that's how I meet people. And I don't have to know you to start a conversation. And I can just see how this can just, can just continue to grow. I just, I think it's, I just think it's fabulous. And I guess what I would like to know is, so you got this idea, but how did you know how to actually start a nonprofit? Because that's, that isn't, that isn't a one, two, three deal. No, well, you know, Sometimes your passion just drives you because I didn't. I don't have any business background. I've never, 
I never went to business school. You know, my background is in really projects, right? Not operations. I didn't know anything about that. And um, <laughs> so um, I got to tell you. So I got to tell you how how yes. how I got a little bit a little bit more learned. <laughs> so I didn't know anything, right? And and mm-hmm. um, and um, and so let me start. So I didn't know anything about starting a business, and um, I, I, I and oh, and had I, and quite honestly, I hate even saying this, but had I known what it takes, I might not have actually pursued this. But the the what what keeps me in the game? I'll tell you what keeps me in the game, and this is, you know, the, I swear, mm-hmm. it keeps me in the game is that um, in talking to the folks in Compton when I was first approaching this idea. There was some hesitation about this outsider coming inside promising stuff because that's what happens a lot in, in Compton is people come, in, come and they say, oh, I'm going to promise you this and I'm promise you that. And I'm not going to be one of those people. I am committed. I have a promise to this community that we're going to mm-hmm. build a makerspace and we're going to build a makerspace. I'm not going to be one of those that come, to, that come in and, and stir the pot and then leave. That's just not going to happen. So, right, so, right. So, what I needed, what I needed, is to find out how to do business. And so, um, one of the things that helped me was one day I was in a, a meeting at that building where this, uh, the, my original contact was, and someone had told me that the Small Business Administration was in there. So I went in to talk to them to see, hey, can I get a coach? You know, I need somebody to help coach <laughs> me. And the, sure. the building is kind of late in the afternoon, and so I uh, went in there. And in an office was this guy, and I was asking him, you know, hey, do I set up a meeting? And he says, come on in, you know, tell me what you're up to. So I, so I started talking a little bit. I go, you know what, I have pictures in my car because I had a 100 photographs of what Mavis spaces were like. I went to the car, got the pictures, and I rambled on for 15, 20 minutes about <laughs> the maker space and what I've learned in the community and um, the ideas that the community had. And this guy, you know him, he, he, this guy was named Gary Polk, right? From the oh, yeah. Institute. Mm-hmm. And after a, few, after a few months, he and I, he started coaching me, and after a few months, COVID hit. And so our meeting stopped and everything kind of stopped. <sighs> um, yeah, so I decided at that time, well, I'm going to go ahead and file my papers for the nonprofit with the IRS since there was kind of this lull. <clears throat> and then several months later, Gary reached out to me and he said, hey, I started a nonprofit too, and it's an entrepreneurial school. I'm calling it Polk Institute, and it's to, and it's to help uh, launch Black and Brown uh, entrepreneurs. And I thought, oh, that's cool. And he says, you want to be on the first cohort? And I said, yes, sign me up. So, so he oh, signed me funny. up, and and I got to tell you, that really helped me. That really helped me learn about the structures and all the different disciplines. It was kind of overwhelming about how much I didn't know, but, you know, I had this promise to the community, and so I kind of just, I, I kept moving forward. <laughs> it's, it's really interesting. So you were in the very first cohort, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, because, you know, honestly, unless you are in academia, frankly, some people don't really know the definition of a cohort. Why don't you just tell those that might not be familiar with that term what a cohort is? You know, and that's a good one. I don't really know. I just know there was a group yeah. of us. It was a class of us. Uh-huh. We all worked okay. together. We had mm-hmm. Zoom, uh, Zoom classes. Uh, mm-hmm. We worked together as a team to support each other. So maybe that's the difference. We're not just there right. as individuals watching. Yeah, like that. Mm-hmm. 
Well, I, I, and you know, Gary's been doing this for a while, and I, I believe you mm-hmm. also know Tim Dura as well, correct? Yeah. Yeah, and you, both yeah. of those gentlemen have joined me on my podcast um, in the past. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I, they they mm-hmm. have. Um, so, um, what did you? What do you think you took away? What did you learn from participating in the Polk Institute? Because it's moved forward with your relationship with them. Is that right? Yeah. Yes, it has. They're, they they are still my coaches. They're still my go to guys. They're still helping me pitch and and. Uh, Helping me find contacts. Um, Gary right now is helping me find uh, a treasure, a new treasure for our board. So yeah, it's not just you know take a class and they leave. They're they're kind of with you all the time. Um, mm-hmm. What I really learned from it was all the facets, like how to build a board and how to build do a, a board letter and the different business structures and all the various officers. And one of the first actions I took with them was a uh, was a little scary. Um, they, they told me, you've got to build a team, Adrian. You know, you've got to build a team. I said, okay, how do I do that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So you, you kind of learned how to do that then, right? I did. I did. So now we have a team. Mm-hmm. And did you, did they, did you, didn't you also, wasn't funding also a major portion of that as well? Uh, did they help me with funding? Um, well, Don, did. did they help oh, you I... with funding, mm-hmm. but how to go about securing funding maybe? Yes. Yes, ma'am. Yes, I, absolutely. So what they did at the very end of the cohort, we had to uh, create a pitch in front of investors. And for, for me, uh, it was in front of philanthropists. So we had quite a few classes on just how to pitch, and we did practice pitches. And then at the very towards the very end, they uh, had us pitch in front of a group of people at an audience on a stage, and it, they made it real for us. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Was that scary for you? Yes, it was scary. Yeah, I'm not a public speaker. You know, I can talk over the phone, you know, but right. uh, it's, it's right. just different standing up on a stage, yeah. It, it sure is. Okay, well, that's where Toastmasters comes in, but, you know, I'm not going to just keep mm-hmm. throwing that one organization after another. Um, okay. So, because you know, not everybody that doesn't that doesn't mean you aren't well versed and understand what you're doing. It, that there's there's that's not a relationship. But not everybody can get up on a stage and work a crowd and have a PowerPoint behind you and have a microphone. It's like, oh my God, I'm looking at all these people. That's that's not an easy thing to do. Um, but I, I, there's no doubt that anybody that's listening to this podcast understands that you have a passion and a purpose for what it is that you're doing. And, you know, I, you, know you mentioned at the very beginning of this uh, conversation that you got a lot from your dad, that you were that little girl that was, like, standing nearby. And we don't mm-hmm. always get things from our parents. Sometimes we... We do. My mother, my mother made all of my clothes. She sewed all of my oh. clothes and she knit all of my sweaters. Okay. Wow. I got a D in in um, a grade in my home ec class. We were talking about those kinds of classes. That was in my junior high mm-hmm. school. I got a D mm-hmm. on my pillowcase because I could Uh-oh. not. 
I couldn't even stitch a straight line. Yes. So we don't always inherit some of those skills from our parents. Um, Certainly not an interest in me ever wanting to pick up a needle and go, well, now what do you do? So, you know, and so for you to have that and, and and my, like my brother, my brother watching my dad, my dad watching his dad, you know, if you have that kind of interest, it does, it does filter down and it sounds like that, that happened with you. I mean, you're an architect, so certainly you were trained in in that field. Um, and then to end up in the, you know, in the sheriff's department, I don't think you saw yourself probably going in that direction, no. which is I which is yeah. you. I, and I I don't know what it was like back when you first joined the um, the sheriff's department and law enforcement. But w- were there very many women that were doing what you were doing at the level you were doing it? No, I started out at the county engineer's department, and uh, uh-huh. I think there there was uh, there was one woman architect, and then I was a draft person. There was only two of us. In, in school, the, uh, when I graduated from there was six women out of 200. My understanding mm-hmm. now in architectural school, it's about 50-50, so it's kind of leveled out. Mm-hmm. And they have an exceptional architectural school too. Just I'm just they saying, do. they yeah. really, they yeah, really they do. do. But when we when we look back to you know your team, because clearly mm-hmm. you can have the vision, you can have all the desires to know what you want to do, but being a captain without any team members isn't the ideal way to go. So yeah, so you're not doing this alone clearly. So tell me no, a little no. bit about who is on your team. Absolutely. Um, I'll do, yes, absolutely. Um, and I, it, it's really blossomed a lot since. That's well, nice. And Hope really helped me learn, yeah, uh, about mm-hmm. the team building and the kinds of people that I needed to bring on board. So, um, well, after I filed the, uh, the 503 paper to, to get that done, I, I just asked a couple of friends if they could join me. I figured um, I'd have time to form a real board, um, as it, we were told that it would take about a year to get the 5013C approved, especially during the COVID shut, shut, shutdown. Uh-huh. So in 2020, 2021, we didn't do much other than brainstorm and attend a lot of community meetings with community leaders. Um, and we and we also started a business plan, but it wasn't very good. <clears throat> we, we received approval for our 5013C in March of 2021. And that's when I learned how hard it was to raise money from you know, Oh, okay. yes. It's a lot easier. When you're a sheriff's department and you have a, you know, here's a great idea. We're going to do another. Sh-. It was a lot easier for the department to raise grant monies, and we were involved in that sometimes. So I didn't, I, I didn't really realize how much. And so in 2021, we did raise about $20,000, but it was mostly from friends and family. And, uh, but we made some really interesting contacts. A friend of mine, Marisol, uh, loved this project, and she really was the first person to come on board full, full force, and I learned a lot from her. I, I did pay her for her help, but it was more of a stipend in comparison to what she normally made. And so she helped develop a marketing plan, and uh, we wanted to start first by collecting tools. We thought that would be the right approach. Let's collect tools first, right? So one of the companies that she reached out to, she reached out to many, but Stanley Black & Decker uh, the oh, woman that wow. she contacted there loved loved this project, and so they gave us our first tool donation in August of 2021. And shortly after that, they had um, 
uh, a grant that was due, and we, we uh, submitted for that, and we won that grant. We won mm-hmm. it as in-kind donations, so it was more tools that were coming. So now we had quite a bit of tools started. Um, about the same time, she sent out emails to everybody in my contact list, and mm-hmm. someone, someone that I knew 20 years ago had reached out. And that's another story. I can tell you that one. <laughs> but he, introduced himself, he introduced me uh, to this group called uh, Southern California Development Forum. They were a group of architects, contractors, and engineers who happened to be in the process of selecting a nonprofit to support for 2022. And we got, sele- we got selected. We met the board oh, and we got selected. Wow. So in January of 2022, I, I received a call on the Google phone. I mean, everything started happening really fast. You know, it's like one thing. But I received a call on the Google phone that was on our website. No one had called me on this. I get this call on a Sunday from a philanthropist. I was skeptical at first, but he was telling me who he was and, and all this. And I was like speechless. Then... <laughs> He was very interested in helping, and he put us in contact with his foundation. So we received mm-hmm. money from him, you know, a few months after that. And about the same time, I'm telling you, we met a we met some very involved local activists, and they came on board to join the board. And it all started happening so fast. By by now, I was with the Polk Institute, and. They said, Adrian, you got to build up your team. They told me the kind of people that I needed, so so we we, we wanted to go for an operations director first. And they said, post it on LinkedIn. And I thought, come on, guys, I'm going to post a free position, you know, um, a volunteer position for an operations director. And and I just resisted them. And Tim, you mentioned Tim. He says, Adrian, I did it mm-hmm. for the technology guy. We got a bunch of hits, so give it a try. So I did, and we got 36 inquiries. 36. I was so surprised. Wow. So I responded to them. Yeah, I know, right? And mm-hmm. and but I reminded them first. Hey, you know this is a volunteer position. Well, that dropped out about half of them, right? <laughs> and then a few <laughs> replied that said they needed uh, a paid position. But mm-hmm. six people still were interested. So after I interviewed them, three of them really stood out. And so I asked the board to review the resumes, and we unanimously selected a woman named Shauna who loved makerspaces and worked in, in one in Indiana. She's from Indiana. And she um, wanted to be part of creating one because she had many, many years of developing operations for startups. And she worked for years with this venture capital guy who bought and revamped and then sold small companies. So she really knew how to, how to do startups. And so now we had this team. We had Aaron who was a uh, Compton community activist. We had Shauna for operations and everything manager. She manages everything. We have Daniel, who's managing the renovation of the facility. He's with Swinerton, and I, we found him through the uh, Southern California Development Board. And Tracy's mm-hmm. also from Compton, and she's our secretary. But the only uh, person that we're needing right now is a board treasurer. Well, maybe you'll pick one up yeah. while we're doing this. You know, yeah. you just maybe you know you you just you don't you don't know. You never know. And just like yeah. what you were saying, when you're just having a conversation with somebody, and 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 being in the pulp, being in all of these things, it's 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 pretty exciting. And I I just I I know I interject things about my personal life oftentimes, but my daughter who went to that other school that you didn't go to. Um, oh, she got a degree, mm-hmm. that one, the blue one. Um, she yeah. um, 
Right. She got her education, her degree in theater arts. Mm-hmm. However, she's in her 17th year of commercial construction. And she what? works for Clark. <laughs> I know. She works for wow. Clark Construction. But I know plenty wow. of people over the years that have worked with Swinerton, too. These are large uh-huh. companies. Yeah, and, you know, you, know. Just, you just never know. And I'm looking at the smiling faces on your website of of your of your staff and it's just it's just fabulous. So where do you see yourself currently now in your nonprofit? Well, where we are now is as I mentioned, we received a couple of large tool donations. So when we had that uh, early in uh, 2022, I go, we got to do something with these tools. I want to just keep them in storage. So you know, who shows up? You know, who shows up? And I said something like that. So we, uh, Compton Veterans and Compton Initiatives appear, so to speak. I mean, mm-hmm. I met them, right? And so we partnered with Compton Veterans and Compton Initiative, and with them, we started doing community renovation events. So last year, with them, we participated in seven of them. Uh, we brought our volunteers. We didn't have as many as they did, but we brought a lot of our tools, these brand-new tools from Stanley Black & Decker. We, um, we did um, – we've done uh, – we built fences around a housing development on Sunny Cove. We built furniture and a space for a church's resource lab at, um, oh. um, um, what was it called, um, the Methodist Church. We um, renovated another church space for a community hub. We've cleaned yards and we've um, painted houses. Uh, we even loaned a bunch of tools to uh, the first vegan market in South L.A. Oh, that's and then in so January, cool. Yeah. Yeah, January of this year is when we finally got a lease for the facility. First, we were, you know, when we, before that, before we got this lease, we were trying to get free lease, you know, we're a nonprofit, and right. we were trying to get like a city-owned space or some kind of church community thing or from the schools, and it just didn't pan out. So mm-hmm. we finally got a space in January. The place needs a lot, a lot of work. And because of um, Daniel's relationship with Swinerton, Swinerton has promised to renovate the facility for us. So all nice. the building improvements are going to be done by Swinerton. Uh-huh. And we're That's starting wonderful. to be, uh, I just had a meeting with them. We're going to do asbestos remediation the first week in May. Um, That's so cool. It, you know, yeah, and as you had mentioned, there is an urgent need. There is an urgent need for tradespeople. You probably know that if your daughter's in construction. There's I, uh-huh. just not a lot of tradespeople, right? So you know, nope. right? And so the I construction do. companies really want to get. Uh, we we need more trade workers, more union workers, right? And they, they get mm-hmm. paid great. <laughs> yes, they do. But it just wasn't something they grew up with like we did. We didn't have it mm-hmm. in the school. It wasn't in their purview. So we are going to help kids. Um, get the opportunity to experience what making is, just like we did. And um, we're also looking into grants to help fund uh, a handyman service. We want to have a handyman service available for low-income seniors and disabled people who more than likely aren't going to buy or borrow tools to do home improvements or maybe they can't afford it. So we're tr- we've uh, submitted for a couple of grants to see if we can get something like that uh, sponsored. Oh, that's wonderful. You know, you've Mm -hmm. got a big event coming up, don't you? I can't believe you take Mm -hmm. the time to do this with me today. I know it's Monday, but you have something pretty big coming up this weekend, don't you? Um, They're they're tabling events. So um, they're big events for the community, yes, because it provides a lot of information to the community. Yeah, 
Mm-hmm. So there's one uh, this Saturday. I think that's the one you mean. It's, it's yeah, a dollar high. Compton, and, yeah. right. The resource there. Right, the, right, right, right. And there's other services going to be there too, like health services and prepaid legal services, homeless, things like that. And there's one nice. the following week, uh, the 29th, at Gonzales Park, where there's 60 of us nonprofits and service agencies that will all be together. Uh, one, we will be able to network together, so that's awesome, so we can do that. But then the community will have um, the ability to meet all of the nonprofits and service agencies so they know what's available to their community. Yeah. I'm looking at the, your community partners, and some mm-hmm. I'm familiar with and some I'm not, but certainly Habitat for Humanity is one I am familiar yeah. with. And, I mean, yeah. what a wonderful uh, organization for you to work with. Are yeah. you... Do I have this right? Do you have? Are you having an annual, your first annual, tool drive coming up? We are. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. You read all about us. Oh yeah, about. honey. Yeah. I did my homework. So tell us about that. <laughs> well, you, oh, you man. did. So we're so we're having a tool drive. It's our first annual tool drive. Now that we have a facility with a parking lot and the whole thing, we're going to yeah. be hosting uh, hosting it in a, in the parking lot. We're located at 2125 West Compton Boulevard. We're very close to uh, Central Avenue. And anybody can drop off tools or volunteers, or uh, they can come by for just a bite to eat and say hi. Just be part of making this all happen. Um, if, If people have a bunch of tools that they need to donate, like maybe they're just not using it, have them call me, you know, and we can work, a, work out some way to get them picked up. Uh, we, uh, we've received three pretty large donations from estates, from, uh, you know, people that have passed that mm-hmm. had a garage full of tools. And so we've been able to go over there and, and help them. Uh, and we captured all those tools and put them to, we're putting them to good use. Mm-hmm. I love that. And, I mean, you're very comfortable. I mean, there, I will make sure that people will see the information um, on your info um, at themakershub.org. But you've been pretty straightforward. If somebody's listening right now and they'd like to call you, do you want to give them your phone number yeah. or do you want to take it? Yeah, Why yeah, don't yeah. you go ahead and yeah. go ahead and tell people yeah. how they can reach you? Sure. So my, my phone number is 310-422-4576. Perfect. That that's great mm-hmm. because you know you you never know where that call comes from. You never know nope. who's listening nope. right now. That's going. Oh <laughs> my God! Know. I didn't know what I was going to do with all of that, um, all of those yeah. tools that that were in my. Yeah. And so clearly, what I've understood from you as well is that you take used tools as well as new tools. Correct. Yes. Yes. We go through them. I have uh, contractors go through all the tools, especially the power tools, to make sure they have proper safety features, that the cables aren't nicked, that, you know, that that they function properly. And we have collected so many hand tools. Oh, my gosh. I have so many hammers and screwdrivers and wrenches and rack uh, sockets and (laughs) – No, I bet you do. I I know. I'm sure that you do because, you know, those are things that people just – don't get rid of. In fact, yeah. depending upon my, my husband was very handy too, and so was his dad. And mm-hmm. so you know, so, just like we like to collect shoes and earrings, a lot of men like to collect <laughs> you know tools, you know. 
and mm-hmm. and whether they're power tools or or whatever, you know, if you are somebody that really enjoys that kind of handiwork, or you know, you know, you're a neighbor and you've got an older lady to live next door to you, and something's just broke. And oh, guess what? You've got the tool to fix that problem for me, mm-hmm. and and yeah. you know, and you can come over and do it. That doesn't mean I have to be able mm-hmm. to do it, but yeah, I think right, that right. you know the fact that people can do this. Would you really love to see this? I would think. Would you really love to see this replicated across the country in the future oh, down the road? Oh. You know, absolutely, yes. The long-term, way beyond, I mean, ideally when we build this first one, we will copy the model, we will um, document it, because I would love to be able to give this to other places so that they could replicate it. I, you know, I, I'm already 65 years old. I'm not sure, I mean, after we open this, <laughs> you know, right. how much more I'll go, but but um, I, I do want, I would love for the Makers Hub to pursue uh, expanding this and making this like not a cookie cutter, but um, a package that can go to other pe- people or, or communities to, to replicate. And, and I like the connection to the veterans because mm-hmm. a lot of times veterans are looking for something to do. And let's face it, yeah. we don't need snowblowers here, thank you. But that doesn't mean <laughs> that in Michigan they don't. Or somewhere right. else where you've got right. a snowblower in your in your basement, or probably yeah. not in your basement because it would be too hard to bring it up, but maybe in a garage or someplace where, you know, down the road that would be a kind of tool that might be donated in a, in a community that could really use that help. Right. I think, right. I think right. if we give people, we as a humanity, we as a society – if we give people the opportunity to give without any expect, expectation to get, you do get. I, I don't, mm-hmm. you oh, know, yeah. I, I don't do this so that I can get something from this. But I get something from this because of what people share about what they do. And I just, I just think it's tremendous. And... I think that on your website, um, people can can get involved there, right? That, that you you have ways oh, for yeah. people to become involved with you. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And uh, along with that altruistic feeling, I think that's what you're referencing. It just feels so good when you're uh, doing something of service, and you walk away going, you know, I did something really good today. This feels great. So it along does. with that, we want to make sure, yeah. We want to make sure that um, our volunteers get something out of it, too. We try really hard to find out, well, you know, how, how can we support you as well? So maybe, um, they, maybe they can learn something or there might be an opportunity to express their talents that they can document or maybe they just mm-hmm. want to work with others and build their network. So, so whatever their talents are, we have ways for you to contribute time and funds. There's so many ways to volunteer here. You can... Uh, you can participate at the community events or anything from the simple painting to clean up to renovating rooms. Or if you mm-hmm. love to organize, I tell you, we need a lot of help organizing right now because we have so many donated tools and they need to be tagged and numbered and entered into a database. I know there's people out there that love to organize things. My, my daughter's one of them. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I also, um, if they know something about tools, maybe they can help us vet them and make sure that the tools that we put on the shelf uh, to loan out 
you know, are safe and good and, 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 and appropriate for, um, you know, people. They want to take pictures or they can interview volunteers. We need that stuff, especially for all the social media stuff that's needed these days in marketing. We also have that board position that we talked about. So like I mentioned, call me. I, I'd love to find out what are your interests, how can we support you, support us, basically, you know. Oh, and if you have a truck, please let me know if you have a truck and you want to come pick up tools. Oh. I can- <laughs> I could do that too. Boy, <laughs> boy, oh, that's not that's kind of like oh, and by the way, maybe all you oh, want to do way. is just help, right? You know how yeah. how cool is that? So, in mm-hmm. listening to all that you do, and it's a lot. Um, what do you what do you enjoy the most about being that that executive director and founder of the Makers Hub? Mm-hmm. What what just brings you the most joy? You know what? The fact that we're doing it, we're all doing this for free. I mean, we only have like, uh, we have two just hired uh, part-time um, assistants right now, one that helps us with social media and one with grant writing. But i got to tell you, the whole community that's built around the Makers Hub, whether it's the com- people in the community, the people that are volunteering, the, the, our board members, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable the generosity and extraordinary and how extraordinary people are. Um, just wanting to give back and wanting to do something mm-hmm. for a community like this. You know, everything from neighborhood block clubs, the residents, the contractors, the councilmen, the other nonprofits. So many people want to support and uplift this community. It's, it's very fulfilling to be a part of this. And I and Marsha, I got to say, I thank you so much for sharing this with your community. Well, you you bet because my mind is racing. Like I'm thinking, wait, there's a there's in Compton, there's a Compton yeah. Community College there, isn't there? Yes, there is. Yes, there is. Is it, mm-hmm. I mean that I that's still so, yeah. that's still a functioning um, junior college. It is. I'm just thinking it's about who who you need who you need to be in front of. Who you, who mm-hmm. where where can you go that somebody and maybe they don't end up donating any money to you, but maybe whoever came to that event um, knows somebody that knows somebody because I believe that that's, you know, it's funny. My tagline for my show is conversations plus connections equals community. And Mm -hmm. community is very important to me personally because I have lived in the same community my entire life. And, uh-huh. and and so being a community member is very, very important to me. And I can see mm-hmm. why it's, you know, very important to those those residents in the Compton community. And, mm-hmm. you know, and like, you know, you were talking about military and all these different veterans and all these different groups. You know, they mm-hmm. all have they all have a reach. They all have people yeah. that they are also connected to. And I, I see on your page that there's a place where people can, it says, how can we become a community partner? So there are places, mm-hmm. you, your website is beautifully designed, and it, it allows people to donate, it allows people to be in touch with you, um, and, and you've got all of these people surrounding you, supporting you. It must be very fulfilling and satisfying to do what you do. I, I, I'm, that's mm-hmm. what I'm yeah. guessing. Yes, it um, yes, absolutely is. <laughs> Gosh. And you and you're that still with Polk, right? What? Go ahead. I'm what? still yes, I'm still friends with Gary. He he helps me all the time. 
he, they're still helping me get some um, my pitch refined um, debtor and uh, finding some philanthropists that I can present in front of. And mm-hmm. the, the last thing I, I want to just share with you, Marcia, is that once Please. we get this makerspace up and running, and we have the uh, we have a new board, and you know, and I, there is um, you know part of the board, but I'm not playing the role like I'm playing right now. What I really want to do, I just can't wait for this opportunity. And this is what I see when I'm inside the makerspace. I want to be like the Walmart greeter, you know. I want to be oh, that yes. person that. <laughs> I'm the docent that I take people through the tours. I bring, we uh, introduce the new members to the whole place. I want to introduce the members to other members and know what they're into and what do they need and then help them get what they need, whether it's the tools or connections or mentors. That's, what, that's how I want to end my life, just networking everybody, like you, right, just networking uh, right. connections all together within this, within this hub. Yeah. I, I, it's funny when you talked about the Walmart greeter. Um, I often feel like I walk around wherever I go like the Walmart reader. Uh, I mean, I do. I, I, I do. I mean, it's not like I walk around with a shirt that says I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a podcast host or anything like that. But I, I think, but I, I, but you can feel it in, within you, Adrian. And I'm just, I'm so happy that I was able to be connected to you and, um, and I hope that maybe I gave you a couple of ideas like the Chamber of Commerce and Rotary, Kiwanis, Lions, all of those organizations are always looking mm-hmm. for speakers. And mm-hmm. um, you're obviously very um, capable and able to do that. You know, it's sometimes it's like, just give me the mic. You know, let, let, me, let me stand <laughs> wherever I need to be. I don't see you yeah. as being shy. And, and no. give, give you the mic and let you share what you have this passion about. And I just... You know, I just want to thank you. I want to thank you for taking the time to share your story today with our listeners, and I'll make sure that this gets across social media where I belong, and you will do the same, I'm sure, so that if people, you know, maybe didn't listen to this live, they'll go back and listen to this podcast at a future date. So just just know that I am grateful for your um, participation in my show today, I I loved it. Oh, me too. And I and I I, I you're a great um, hostess. You just did great. This is wonderful. Thank you very much for giving me, me this opportunity to share. You're welcome. All right, everybody. So you've got your challenge out there. Think about what you know. Think about who you know. And let's see what we can do to bring this this um this dot org even farther into the future. But for now, I'm going to say goodbye. Everybody have a safe and wonderful week. I'll be back next week. Bye for now, everybody. Bye. Bye. Marsha?